1: On the fourth day of Real Vision Crypto Holidays, we present to you Rao's second interview with New York Times bestselling author and screenwriter Ben Mesrich. Ben and Rao dig into how blockchain and Web3 are changing traditional legacy media and rewriting the playbook to put the power back in the hands of content creators and their audience. So if you want to understand how media will change in 2023 and further empower not only the creator, but us, the audience, get ready to be inspired and enjoy this great chat. And happy holidays for all of us here at Real
0: Vision. The world of crypto is an incredibly exciting journey that we're all going on together. We don't know where it's leading to, but we know it's going to be absolutely massive. Join me, Ralph Powell, as I guide you on our adventure to discover just what this new world will look like. Ben, as ever, fantastic to see you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I'm I'm always looking forward to talking to you. And uh, it's amazing to do this at sort of what I feel like is the end of a crypto winter and the beginning of a brand new age. But we'll see. We'll see.
0: Now, look, there's a lot to catch up with you because I'm kind of following this journey with you and I want to bring everybody along with us. But you're up to all sorts of stuff. It's not just crypto. So let's get what else you're up to. Uh, let's talk about that as well, because it's always amazing with you. I don't know how you manage to have so many things going on at once. So what are you up to?
1: Yeah, it's kind of wild that I, I over the last year, just project after project kind of got started. And so I'm in this point where I'm working pretty much round the clock on so many things. But the main focus is right now, uh, apart from the NFT project, which I've gotten so excited about, um, is uh, is... Uh, I have a movie about to shoot based on the GameStop drama. We all remember what happened with GameStop. Um, and is this a
0: documentary or a-, a...
1: No, no, this is like the Social Network. So I wrote a book called The Antisocial Network, it, um, which obviously. was uh, a thriller about you know the regular people on Reddit who took on Wall Street and took down a Wall Street bank I love as we can the book. now officially. Oh, well, thank you. That's so kind of you. Uh, I mean, uh, since the book has come out, Melvin Capital. Is no more. (laughs) And so the reality is, they really did take down Melvin Capital, which brings me back to all these conversations I had with Melvin Capital people telling me, oh, it's no big deal. We're fine. We're fine. And that's like, I don't think they were fine. But, um, anyways, our movie uh, based on that book is going to be shooting in about 10 weeks, which is kind of incredible. Um, And it's going to be a a really big, you know, in the theaters um, drama akin to the social network. I think there's a little bit more. Comedy, just because of the the setting, um, it's a little bit more like The Big Short, I guess, kind of mixed with. But it's young. Um, the characters are all you know, twenty somethings, and and uh, other than the Wall Street people, so it's going to be a really fun movie, I think. Um, the script is amazing, and we're directed by uh, Gillespie, Craig Gillespie, who did uh, I Tanya, and he did Cruella, and he did the the wow. Pam and Tommy documentary, which was. Really amazing. So this guy is awesome, does rip from the headline stuff really good. Um, So that's one big project. When's Um, it
0: out? Do we know when when it might be? Well, you know,
1: if it's shooting this fall, um, I'm guessing next year in 2023, towards the end, it's going to be kind of an award-type movie. So I'm guessing you place it in the fall or winter. Um, So my hope is the end of next year. That's exciting. I'll get to be on set. Um, I haven't been on a movie set since The Social Network, so it's been a little bit of a, a, a while for me. Um, I'm writing the sequel to The Midnight Ride. I wrote a book called The Midnight Ride, which came out last year, which was a thriller. Um, but that paperback comes out next month. Um, and that's when you know you usually get a bigger audience for a book. And then the, the sequel comes out next summer. So I'm handing that in next month. <laughs> so that's what I've been working on. It's a thriller set in Boston um, that actually goes all the way back to a, uh, the revolutionary era in terms of there's this secret mystery that drives us back there. But it's about a card counter who uncovers um, really the the what actually happened in a massive art theft, the Gardner Museum theft? And I don't want to go in too much because it's a lot of tricks and and and,
0: and stuff you, like that. Out of interest, how do you plan a book like that with a complicated plot? Do you kind yeah. of whiteboard it all out? I mean, how do you? How do you: even? Yeah, I mean, it? you know, I,
1: I have a general idea of the characters, you know, and, and I know the settings and stuff like that, but I really do not so much a whiteboard like you do in television. It's more like I do an outline where every sentence kind of is a chapter, and, and by the end you've got uh, three acts, just like a movie I, I pretty much plan all my books like they were movies. Um, so you know, I've always written my books to be movies. It's just been something I've done from the very beginning. It's something that some critics attack me for because I'm really writing movies as books. Um, But for me, I plan it out the same way you would plan out a screenplay, where you have act one, act two, act three. And uh, I know in a book like this, it's kind of like the Da Vinci Code, where there's a couple of big set pieces that I already have in my mind using great works of art, great sort of um, memorials that don't make sense. If you look back into American history, there is a lot of weirdness. And, you know, we talk a lot nowadays about the founding fathers, but the reality is they were very different than we imagine them today. And they had things going on that you, you can't even believe. I mean, they were all part of secret societies and they were all doing these they were spies, a lot of them, and a lot of them were using, you know, cryptography. Um, they were kind of the forerunners of, of what goes on today in terms of uh conspiracy theories. There were so many conspiracies going on in the revolutionary area. So that's what I'm trying to bring out in these books. Um and it's a series of books, so this is book two, it'll be out next. Summer, I sold the book to uh Steven Spielberg and Amblin to make into a movie. So I wrote that's a draft of that yeah. as well. And that's then believable. I'm working on
0: well, I do know how you do it. You're immensely talented, but it's incredible oh, to see this.
1: That's kind. And then I have two big television series about to uh get announced. I can't really tell you too much about them, but they're both based on books of mine. And um they're going to be involving very big uh streamers. So I'm gonna have a, a show on each of the streamers. Um and I'll I'll be able to obviously come back on and tell you about those as soon as I have the information, but they involve some really big big people in Hollywood and, um, um, you know, they're my projects that I've really wanted to make into movies for a long time, Uh, but they're going to be television, which is, which is cool. And then um, God, I'm trying to remember Woolly. I sold Woolly, which was my book about the woolly mammoth coming back to life. Um, And I sold it to uh, a a movie studio that's aligned with the actual Woolly project. So the plan is they're going to bring a prehistoric woolly mammoth back to life. And my book will be made into a movie about it that will come along with the woolly. So I really want to just ride a woolly mammoth into the premiere. <laughs> but anyways, that's all, that's all coming together. So those are kind of the main projects. And then I'm, I'm looking at what my next nonfiction book is going to be.
0: And that's going to end up being tied into my NFT project. So Ben, before we get into the NFT project, how the hell do you keep on top of all of this? Because you've got- you must have so many storylines in your head. You're having to revisit old stuff because everybody wants to make it into a show right. or a film or whatever. How do you deal with that? That's yeah, I mean, it's I mean,
1: extraordinary. It's, it's kind of like I am very compartmentalized. So like, There's a certain period of the day when I'm just writing, Um, and then there's a certain period of the day when I'm dealing with sort of phone calls and things like that. But the problem is, is as you write a book, you get so involved in the storylines and in the characters that you do kind of fall apart. (laughs) So the rest of your life does become a bit of a shambles. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate in that. Uh, I'm able to just do this full time. Uh, you know, when you're starting out as a writer, you're also trying to have a job or make money and stuff like that. And then it just becomes incredibly hard to keep it all. But for me, I'm able to just disappear for stretches of the day, um, into my writing. Um, but it's tough. I mean, the hardest part is getting in and out of the writing phase of your career. Um, because every morning you sit down and look at a blank piece of paper. Um, it's very hard to get started if you have a million other things in your head. So you need to have all these rituals, um, I'm a pretty, uh, you know, eccentric individual, and I think that helps. That helps it all come together. Um, I, it's it's uh, it's not for everyone, but um, you know, I can lock myself in a room. I eat the same meal every meal, for instance, when I'm writing a book. Um, I get so oh, really? I, I'll I'll I want it. What is that meal? What is that like, meal? Well, for a very long time, it was a turkey sandwich. It was the most boring, plainest meal you could have. I would eat it three times a day, uh, the same turkey sandwich for a month. Um, and literally, because I don't want to be thinking about anything else other than what I'm working on, um, I start to work very weird hours. You know, I, I, I the time shifts, and suddenly I'm writing from 11 p.m. To, to 7 a.m. Instead of it's just it all kind of becomes. And then the last two weeks are a sprint, you know, where you're just writing around the clock, and it's just everything else is gone. And I usually
0: schedule it so that I can disappear for two weeks or three weeks and just pump out the last and, few. And how is the editing process? I always hate the editing process because you know. I write, but not uh, uh, you know I, I write research, but I, I write a lot, you know, I write ten thousand words in a one sitting right that's great on a weekend yeah. um, every month, and so I'm very used to it. I've got my own flow, and it works when you know I get into flow state, and it always works. I hate the editing process because I've given birth to what's in my head, right, and I don't care about it well not I don't care about it, but i can't I find it painful to revisit how do you how do you oh, I'm the with- same as
1: you. Yeah, we're very similar. But what I've actually done, and now you have to remember, is 25 books at this point. Is I hand in the draft, and it's pretty much done. Um, so I, I'm not one of those people who writes and then rewrites and then rewrites and then rewrites. Uh, when I hand in that first draft, uh, it's you know the editor will come back with a little bit here and a little bit there, but it's pretty much done. Um, it's pretty much on its way to the copy edit phase. So I don't rewrite very much, um, and. Uh, you know, there have been some books where literally I've finished the book, handed it in, and I've not looked at it again. Um, and so that's just the way I get over that sort of painful reread, reread. But part of that is is the process in, in which I write is uh, I'm, I'm self-editing as I go, I think. Um, but I'm, it's a sprint. To me, everything's a sprint. You sprint through the book, you hand it in. And as, as I've, I've always believed that you don't need to be perfect. I'm not ever going to be perfect, and so don't even try good enough is good enough. Don't be a perfectionist. And I think that's one of the keys in terms of writing volume is don't worry about that. There's going to be some great stuff in there and there's going to be some garbage in there. Write it the way you want to write it, hand it in and sift all that out later. And that's the way I can get something done in a very short period of time. But you know, listen, 10,000 words in a weekend is an amazing output. Um, I'm in general trying to write Eight pages a day right now, um, and and that seems to be my limit. Um, but it it gets tough. Let's you know, listen. Writing is a horrible thing, <laughs> day to day. It's just a painful torture. It's thing. Um, but when you when a story works, or when when it comes alive in your head for whatever reason, I mean that's an incredible feeling. You know, it's akin to like. Just making a, I don't know, I was trying to do things with like sports, but I assume it's akin to like, you know, making an incredible shot. It's like suddenly something works and it's magical for that moment. So that's what makes it all worthwhile.
0: Yeah, Ben, I think the important point here is the story. If the story tells itself, then it doesn't need to be perfect. The story is the thing, right? And I think that's probably what you saw in the NFT thing as well, because it, it is memes, it is storytelling but done in different ways. And you're kind of weaving all this together, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I've learned in, in, in the books that I've written, and especially when you talk about the social network, and then you go to Bitcoin billionaires, and then you go to the GameStop story, is that the key to everything, to value, to deciding what something is worth, is the story that it tells, right? And so when I look at NFTs, Uh, The projects that are really working, the projects that really say something are the ones that tell an incredible story um, in a way that is immediately understood by the person receiving it. Um, I think that's also where we get all of value from now. I think the fundamentals of what value is, has changed dramatically. And you look at something like GameStop and you say, well, why is GME worth, you know, hundred or 300 or 500? And it has nothing to do with the fundamentals of the company. It has to do with this story that people want GME to succeed and they want to beat wall street. And so when I look at the NFT industry and I look at different NFT projects, I think what story is being told here? And, and is it something that that people can receive right away and, Emotionally grab, grab, and become a part of what they are. And so, you look at PFPs; the ones that work are the ones that are tell your story, right? The, uh, the projects like Apes and things like that are telling a much bigger story. And so, when I did an NFT project, I definitely wanted to be about storytelling.
0: Punk six five two nine always talks about Noah Harari's book. I think it's I think it's in Homo Deus, so I'm rereading now about intersubjective myths and how humans. Use this kind of storytelling element to almost everything they do, whether it's government, religion, corporations, and that NFTs are kind of a big unlock in much of this, because as you rightly say, it creates value at the center of storytelling in a way that was before you'd sell a book or form a government or form a corporation, but this is a whole different way.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's an amazing way to look at it. I mean, I think I'm really intrigued by the whole idea of myths. If you look at my career. Uh, what I try to do with every book is tell an origin story, is to create some sort of American myth around a company or a person. Um, you know, the the, the Facebook story. Um, we were creating a myth around Zuckerberg and around what Facebook really was, and it was based in all the reality of what it was. But we wanted it to be larger than life. And so every book I try and write, I'm trying to do an origin of something that I know is going to be world changing or life changing. Um, and so when I look at the NFT space, I feel like we're 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 witnessing something that is an origin story you know the nft is going to be a part of all of our lives i am utterly convinced of this that this is going to be the future of of art of of ownership of the way to work in the digital world in the metaverse or whatever you want to call it it's all going to be working on the engine of NFTs. And you're going to see every company having an NFT that's part of their company, Um, what Starbucks is attempting to do right now, what all of these companies do, every company is going to do. And so, yes, I think that NFTs are all about telling a story that talks about your brand or who you are or what you are and communicates with your community that gets to participate in it, is incentivized to be a part of it. Um, So, yeah, I'm all in on NFTs just because I believe in this technology as being the first time that an artist, um, you know, or a musician or, or whatever, a photographer, um, can actually have their audience be a part of it and the community becomes part of it. So yes, it's all about the story. And, um, and that's, that's what I do. So it seemed like a natural progression. It
0: feels this time is a departure for you because this is more like gonzo journalism. You're creating something where you are part of the story right which is which is a very different departure because you've been the observer on the outside looking in at these myths developing yeah. these origin stories and now here you are writing as one of the key characters <laughs> essentially at the center of this which is a very different approach now, right? Yeah. I mean, I've always been the fly on the wall, like
1: just following the Winklevi around or whatever it is. And I've never stepped into it before. And this has kind of been my first experience doing that. And that was what, you know, when I first looked into the NFT space, I did think, well, should I just write a book about NFTs? Or should I just write a screenplay about NFTs? And it was the nature of what NFTs are that made me think no, no, I want to step in and, and, and be a part of the story in a way. Now, when I write the movie that comes at the end of my NFT project, I won't necessarily insert myself into the movie, um, but I am thinking for my next nonfiction book. Um, I've been telling stories on my Discord to our NFT community, and they've been stories from, you know, about Russian oligarchs and UFOs and and all of the things that I've, that I've studied and learned about and all the crazy stories. That is probably going to become my next book. And there's going to be a big NFT element to it. Um, so the goal is I'm writing that book basically on the Discord. Um, and that book is going to be something that we're going to do a drop around and we'll be a part of it. So there is something Inception-like going on here uh, you know, it, it, with something within with something within something else. But I do think that that's, that's what we're moving towards. Because look, we're all moving online. And this is where it all
0: lives, and right? This is why I was asking you before how you can have your brain operating so many different things, because this is exactly what you're doing here because there's a story within a story within a story all going on at the same time. But because you're so used to that from the years of practice of doing so many projects, It's actually quite natural to you. It's actually very hard for a lot of people. They usually need a whole planning team. But (laughs) here's Ben being Ben, being slightly weirdly eccentric and figuring this all out. Well, listen, you
1: know, I've always believed that one sentence leads to the next sentence. And when people say, you know, are you worried about writer's block? The reality, all writer's block is there's some sort of disconnect between the last sentence and the next sentence. For me, everything... It adds to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. So I'm always walking down a path. So even though it looks like it's getting bigger and bigger and crazier and crazier, for me, it's just one sentence leads to the next sentence leads to the next sentence. And that's what brought me to NFTs. It really was a progression from the Vegas story to the social network story to the Bitcoin story to the NFT story. I see it
0: exactly like steps. Oh, it's a clear, I mean, I've read all of the books and it is a clear journey to get here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I see it and I feel it. And it's almost like it was meant to be. But obviously, that's just from the point of view of where you are now. Uh, Everything always looks like it was meant to be. But I do feel like I have been in a progression towards the moment we're at. So,
0: okay, let's catch people up with the project, where you started, where you are, where it's going, because there's, again, a lot going on in typical Ben world. There's a lot going on. So first, start at the beginning. For people who didn't watch the first interview, what was the the original idea, concept? Where did you start? How did it evolve? And then we'll go into where we are now and where it's going.
1: Sure. So it all started with the Winklevi twins. They told me about NFTs and told me that, you know, why they thought this was going to be world changing. And I really stuck to it. I loved it. I thought this is amazing. And I wanted to create an NFT project that brings my community, people who like the stuff that I write about along with me. So the idea came about a guy named Adam Brotman, who is a, a genius. He's at Starbucks um, making their NFT project, which has just been announced. Um, and he was like, you know, what you should do is, is drops that lead to a project. So the first drop uh, revolved around the GameStop drama. All of the artwork had to do with the rockets and memes like that. Uh, It was a 6,000-piece collection at .06 that that sold out very quickly. Um, The idea was you own one of each of my three drops, um, and you're going to share in a screenplay that I'm writing about the NFT space. Um, So I'm writing a movie about NFTs, and the NFT community that is in the project gets to own half of it along with me. Um, So the first drop was about you know uh, GameStop. The second drop was a free. Everyone who had the first drop got to mint, a um, Bitcoin Billy, we called them. So they were kind of Bitcoin billionaires type of art, um, and it was kind of cool doing something Bitcoiny on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, because to me, it's all one. I think that they all we all rise together. I'm not a maximalist or a minimalist. I know there's battles going on in that world, <laughs> but I really think the idea of Bitcoin on an Ethereum chain is, is the future here to some extent. We're all coming up together. Um, so Bitcoin billies, uh, I think there's been 2,000 and something minted so far. The minting goes all the way up to the third drop. So there's still a few people. What was really cool about the first drop is we have over 3,000 distinct owners and almost none of them were for sale. People pretty much held on to them, even though you know the prices haven't been wonderful. It's been winter for everybody. Um, people aren't selling them. They're holding on to them, which has been great. Um, And you need one of each of the three collections. And since the Bitcoin is the second collection is only one per wallet for people who own the first, it's kind of going to be the much smaller collection. Um, And then the third collection is coming, you know, next week. And it is Vegas related. All of the imagery has to do with the journey I did into Vegas. A lot of my career takes place and I wrote Bringing Down the House, um, which was about the MIT Blackjack team, which was made into the movie 21. That's actually our 20th anniversary coming up. Uh, next month. Uh, That book has been out 20 years, which is kind of unbelievable when I think about it um, and still sells more than almost all my other books combined, which is nuts. Really? Um, people love that story of, of just college kids taking down Vegas.
0: I, se- I sent you, I was watching it the other night on, on TV, I sent you a, oh, yeah. a, a picture of me watching the film. It was, I hadn't seen the film. It was, it's just it's a, such a, it's a good, a good
1: film. film. And I think that that movie was just such a cool wish fulfilment. Anybody who's ever gone to Vegas has thought, how do you win? And there's an, an actual mathematical way you can win. And that's what that story was about. Um, So anyways, the the third drop coming up next week is 6,000 pieces at .06, and it's all Vegas related, but we're doing some cool stuff with it. And, you know, you'll see on the imagery that every picture has a blackjack hand on it, and you're going to be able to come to our Discord with your blackjack hand get another card if you want, <laughs> take a hit, and play against the dealer and win prizes. So we're going to have all sorts of prizes involving my books, involving live things. Um, so we've always seen these things on top of the screenplay as being entrance into a community who share this sort of fun, loving view of of what I write about. So a lot of people were invited to my book party of my last book, which was really cool. Uh, We had a big party in New York during NFT NYC. We're going to do a big Vegas event for people who hold our things. And we're planning more and more live events. As I get closer to my movies, you're going to get to go to movie premieres. There's going to be chances of, you know, we're going to do a live read through when I write this script. And people who own it are going to actually be able to read the script with me and play characters and as we get closer to the movie there's going to be tons of involvement both creatively and, and, and in person uh, anybody who wants to come along on this ride with us. And so as you know I see this as the beginning of a much bigger platform. So you know you, you get our three things you get to be a part of the screenplay hopefully there will be we'll sell the screenplay for millions of dollars and they'll be payback to people but that's only part of it. The other part of its entrance into this platform, where I believe other writers are going to be able to break their books and their stories in this way. I've been talking to a lot of writers, both new writers and people who've been around a long time, names you would recognize. And the goal is that going forward, when you launch a book, you'll drop an NFT collection and people who are interested in the book will get involved in it. And in this way, rather than publishers deciding which books kind of rise to the top, we can kind of change that. And we can make it so that the NFT community can decide which authors they want to support. So in a lot of ways, we're almost competing with Substack um, or even Amazon Kindle. The idea going forward is if we can break 10 or 15 authors on the platform, um, we can show that an author has another way to go to publish their work rather than just throwing something out you know, into and the does, Amazon does Kindle. Does it
0: realm. also change the business of advances as well?
1: I mean, I think that what we've been seeing in publishing is that advances are just going down and down and down and down. There's a handful of people, celebrities or very well-known authors who get these mega advances and everyone else gets, you know, the average advance is $5,000. They're tiny um, and they're not something you can make a living on. And this is the same thing that happened in the music industry. Um, An artist trying to break in has to have another job, right? There's no just writing for a living anymore, unless you're a name brand or or a celebrity. Um, and so what this can do is if you have a great story to tell, um, that becomes the important thing. As I said, value is in story, right? It's in communities. And so you're going to be able to launch a collection around this story idea. And if the people want this you know, book, if they see it as something that they think that they want to get behind, they could buy your collection. And so instead of an advance, you essentially have an NFT community supporting you. Um, And then if it works, everyone gains because you become successful. The book becomes famous. The NFT goes up in value. And so it's this incentivized way of building artists. Um, And I think you'll see this in every industry. Now, obviously, we're in a period of of transition. It's it's the beginning of all of this. So I'm looking forward a lot. Uh, One of the things about my Project has always been. This is a long-term project. I understand people speculate. They come in, they want to buy something, and they want to turn it around. That was never our intent. Our intention was we're going to try and build something that really is a part of this future. We want to become sort of uh, uh, how writers write five years from now. And so everyone who's involved in our project now is gonna be whitelisted into the next one, the next one, the next one, growing, growing, growing. Um, we're doing something with the Boston Globe, where we're gonna be launching um Boston Globe's 150th anniversary NFT. And everyone in in my community is gonna get whitelisted into that. And so this is a company with hundreds of years of, of you know, 150 years behind it, incredible artwork, incredible photography, incredible writing. Um, and that's the sort of thing that I think should be supported by. Web three, right? It doesn't have to be, you know, something that um, is all about subscriptions or, or, or buying the newspaper on the newsstand. There's a community of people who can support it and, and grow with it. And so, yeah, this is I, I'm I'm thinking big, and part of it comes from talking to you. I mean, you've been a real inspiration for me because you're always thinking so enormously. You know, it's like, uh, and I love that sort of thing. You know, I'm walking well, because out, it's said, all
0: possible, right? We're not being confined by. What it was, right? We're now being confined with what we invent. You know, we can create the future myth, right? The future origin story is in front of us. It's
1: unbelievable, and and we're seeing things completely created out of whole cloth. This is an entirely new uh, engine here going on. And you look at something like Board Apes, which has done amazing things. You look at all of these things that come up. And sure, there's tons of scams, and there's tons of crap, and there's tons of things that come and go. But when you look at what's being built the base here. Um, it's staggering to me of where we could be five to 10 years from now. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I hope that, that people come along with the ride with us. Um, it's been wonderful so far. And, um, and you know, the third drop is, is going to be leading right to the movie. And so that's going to be the next great step where I'm writing a screenplay and I'm talking to people like you, but I'm interviewing people, um, who are in the space who have done incredible things in the space. And I'm, Putting together three storylines. Um, the storylines are going to be, you know, someone who stumbles into this. His whole family thinks he's crazy. He's he's a speculator. He's gambling essentially, but he builds himself a fortune in the NFT world. S- another character is going to be an artist um, who really normally wouldn't be able to break in. Um, it's a very hard world to break into. They're not from a, they have no connections. They're a nobody essentially, and they find their way doing art. And then the third one is going to be a scammer, uh, a rug puller. And we've seen a lot in the last you know year to work. On- We've seen so many different things collapse. And 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 I want to tell that part of the story too because it's a big part of this Wild West. And they all kind of intersect and come together. And so I've been working on the, the plot lines of the screenplay already. And now I'm starting a series where... On Twitter, I'm doing Twitter spaces where I interview potential characters for the movie. And so my audience is going to get to walk along with it. And I got to interview John Knopf, who's this incredible photographer who's done some amazing things and great stories. Um, I've got a couple more amazing ones lined up. Um, and uh, and hopefully, you know, we'll be interviewing everyone in the space eventually um, as I write the screenplay. I want this to be an open source screenplay in some respects, and then I'm going to put scenes up on the Discord. People can read along and decide whether they like what I'm doing and whether they still want to hold this NFT or not. Um, and we can all kind of just stay together on this. And then when the movie comes out, it's going to be the coolest thing ever.
0: I absolutely fucking love this idea. So the other thing that you and I briefly talked about, and I just want to catch you up to see where your thoughts are on this. Movie, movie financing—it's yes. a big business, and you know, like there's a friend of mine here who does it, makes a fortune out of it because it's a very restricted group of people who are kind of in the know, and they make big returns out of it. And you get penalised if you come with a screenplay to Netflix or HBO, whoever it is, because. They have to front the costs, so they take a larger share than they would do. Have you thought about disrupting that part as well and trying to finance the movie itself via an NFT? Because yeah. I just think, why the hell wouldn't you?
1: I, and it's absolutely something we've talked about and we've thought about. Now, you've seen a lot of things spring up where, you know, we're going to make a movie. And I'm always looking at them and saying, oh, they're not going to make a movie. Because <laughs> it's, it's very hard to make a movie. Um, the financial side of it is not even the hardest part, right? The hardest part is the art getting the right elements together, getting sort of a good screenplay, finding a good director, getting sort of... And so I do think we're going to come in at an advantage and that that's the side that we know well, or I know well. Um, And then the next part will be the financing side. I do think that there's a really great way to make movies with the community here. I do think that Hollywood as a whole is looking at this and figuring out, uh, you know, how does one do this? Is there an interesting way to do that? I would love to see the Web3 community make a movie. I would love to see a real big movie come out of uh, funding in this way. And I do think that's one thing we're talking about for mine. Now, in the past, you know, I've written a screenplay, sold it to a studio. And you're right. You get something up front, but that's it. If the movie explodes, becomes a billion-dollar movie – you don't get anything. You might get a bonus, but it's not a big part of it. The better way to go if you have the willingness to take
0: risk is to finance it yourself. Well, the thing is, is the willingness to take risk changes in Web3 because you spread the risk like an insurance risk across a group of people. Right. So you're not having to fund it yourself. Let's say you've got the money to do it. You take the risk. You take the glory, but it's risky, right? And the last thing you want to do is... Blow your savings on something you think is going to be great. But you can spread the risk amongst the community and everybody gets more advantageous terms, including the movie studio, because they're like, yeah. oh, this has been de risked for us as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do think that that's a real, you know, real possibility here with our project. Um, it's something, you know, when we get to that point, I'm going to put it to the community and I'm going to say, you know, we've got a couple of choices here. Um, I can sell this to a studio, uh, or try to sell it to a studio, or try to sell it to a streamer, and you'll get a check, and that that's where it'll go. Or we can try and really make the movie ourselves and do uh, a token, tokenize it, and and put it together. And obviously, there are legal ways you're going to have to go through a lot of. You know what they're going to say. Side.
0: You know what they're going to say, Ben. They're yeah. going to be. LFG, let's fucking go. You know, I I do think think there's some level of that.
1: I think there's some level of that, but you gotta be realistic. And I've been in the movie business a long time. And let's just say I'm I'm on my third movie about to shoot out of 25 books. I understand the I always I'm a huge optimist and every book I write, I'm like, this is gonna be the biggest movie of the year. At the same time, I understand the reality of it. Um, and so I do think LFT, that would be the way I would want to go. I would say, let's just go for it. We can raise $20 million um, and we can make a movie and then we own it. And it makes $300 million and everyone's going to have a great time. Uh, but, you know, you have to be rational and you have to understand where we have to go if we're going to do that and how it's going to work. But you're right. I think that the community will. I do think that that's the type of people who are in this community. People want to take a risk and go for it. And this is, by the way, it goes back to the GameStop story. Everyone I interviewed, um, nobody wanted 2x, right? 2x is bull. It's bullshit, right? 2x is bullshit. You want... 10x you want 100x and this is the a new way of thinking by the way you go back to wall street 10 years ago and it's like you're going to double your
0: money because or, you know because if you look at the demographic right wall street from 10 years ago was gen xers who've been in their careers and boomers so their job was protect your wealth don't screw it up right but these millennials and the gen z have come with student loans no assets so, why not always take the option of the 10x, yeah. because there is no way that compounding 5% returns, 10% returns is ever going to make them anything. You're exactly right. The people I interviewed,
1: uh, I'd say, well, you just doubled your money. Why wouldn't you sell? And they all said, doubling my money is not going to change my life in any way. You know, Maybe I'll be able to pay my rent one more month. Right? That's not what I'm looking for. And I think that's what powers the NFT community. To the both good and bad, right? It's that everyone wants a home run. And I listen, I I built my career on that. As a writer, that's what you do. Every book you write, you're like, I'm eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the next year, but I'm going to hit a home run with this book. Uh, And eventually, hopefully you do hit a home run, then you don't eat as much peanut butter and jelly. But the point is, is that the whole community powers that way now. Um, And I think Wall Street is starting to figure out that that's how Wall Street is going to be powered going forwards too, is that the retail trader is not looking to double their money. The retail trader is looking to change their lives. And that is something that we all need to take into account going forwards. And so you're right. I mean, I do think looking at an NFT project and thinking, oh, I just want to succeed isn't enough. You You want to have a shot you want a lottery ticket. Um, and and uh, I, my agent said this to me the other day. Every movie is a spin on the wheel of life, right? And it really is because, you know, nine out of 10 times, it's not going to change your life. But there's that one out of 10 times where it literally is going to change your life. And I've experienced it with the social network um, and to a lesser extent, you know, 21. Um, and I think that people in this industry, some people have experienced it. Somebody, you know, minted a board ape at, at whatever it was in the beginning, and is now sitting on a million dollars. So there is that spin of life going on in the NFT community that is so st- it's such a strong emotional thing, uh, the idea that I have a chance at a spin at life, because most people never get a chance at a spin at life. Um, so yeah, you're right. I mean, why not go for something like that? Um, but you know, the realist part of me says there needs to be also some rationality to this industry, because if everything is a
0: spin on the wheel of life, we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it can't just be about hype, but I just think there's some real business issues you, yeah. that you can solve within that construct of, What do the punters want as well? I mean, there's somewhere within that is magic. I don't know where that is. I think
1: the answer is going to be uh, to partner with some big thing like an FTX or someone like that who wants to sort of uh, shepherd a bunch of movie projects. So the industry takes one piece of the risk, and the community takes one piece of the risk. And in that way, together, you're going to be able to build something. And And my guess is people
0: like A16Z and stuff like that. That's a story that's never been told properly, by the way. Right. but um, A16Z, people like that would be interested because what this is going to do if it works is it unlocks enormous potential in all sorts of parts of the creative entertainment. Well, know, one of the of things this.
1: that will overnight happen is good movies will start getting made. Um, because right now, all that studios can do is make Marvel movies. Because Marvel movies are great. They make lots of money. They have these huge budgets. They're the only sure thing left, right? And so the problem is all of these other pictures, which which tell great stories, Are very difficult to make in the studio system. But in a web three system, you could tell a lot of stories. I mean, on my Twitter all day long, people pitch me stories. And there's always like, did you see this happen? This is a Ben Mesrick story. And I'm thinking, yeah, that is a great story, but there's no way I could sell that. (laughs) Because, Because there's not a big enough audience of teenagers who will go to the Cineplex and buy popcorn to watch the story of Luna or to watch the story of the collapse of this fund or whatever. But it's a great story. Um, and so there has to be another way to tell it. And we might, you know, we might have it here in that in that if Web3 wants a story told, you know, we could tell it.
0: And they don't have to be books either. I mean, this is Substack for Web3. You know, I know people have tried this, but it's there. People, humans yeah. love storytelling and they want to hear the story told. And yeah, you know. How do people want to pay for that? How do they want to be involved? Do you want to be part of you remember years ago, there used to be these kind of amazing kind of short story compendiums yeah. that kind of really arty and cool and you would pay quite a lot of money to get one every month or every quarter. It'd come through this thick. And right. you know, th- yeah. those things can live and breathe again in this way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think, and one of the great things about Um, What I've learned having this community in Discord, you know, we've got 8,000, 9,000 people on there, is that there's so much intellectual interest, intellectual curiosity. People aren't just gambling, right? People are here because they want to see something really interesting and new and different. And I do think that there's a place for for that sort of thing to, to, you know – re-explode. And what's cool about NFTs also is the interactive nature of it, what you can do with an NFT. I mean, we did a drop over Midnight Ride, which had in it a game. Basically, every day the NFT changed for 20 days. So anyone who bought the book was able to follow the puzzles in the NFT, then go to the actual book and find paragraphs that corresponded. And we had you know 500,000 people playing this game daily, winning prizes like ETH or whatever. But as an author, it was, it was incredible to watch. And the puzzles were too hard for me. I couldn't figure out. What the, and even though I wrote the book, I couldn't figure out the puzzles. But what was really neat was that people were working together and they were sort of living inside the book to get there. And as an author, what was intriguing to me is the people who played the game are the ones who are most interested in the sequel. They're so excited because they got so into the story in solving the puzzles. It added just another dimension to writing a book. Um, And you could do this in any sort of book. You can invite people into it. And so I do think NFTs are a great way um, to to extend the story
0: into other people's words. And so just to go back to a point we talked about before. So is there a group of people helping you design this, or is this you... No, no, Storytelling by our NFTs. Just I'm the pretty face to some extent. I'm a writer. I write my books and I kind of know
1: what my lane is. So I have people who know how to sort of program. Um, you know, sure. Bunchu, Bunchu Joe, and I've got Adam, who's sort of a big thinker. And then in terms of the puzzles, we we have this MIT guy, Scott Commoner, who's just amazing, who is who is creating the puzzle that goes inside the artwork. We have an amazing artist um, who goes on the web under Man Over Mars, and he's amazing his artwork. And so there is a team behind.
0: But the but the storytelling that the NFT, the journey you go through as an NFT holder, that's your storytelling, right?
1: My goal is that people are going to be a part of my storytelling. and And this is something that I'm going to do not just in every book I write, but pretty much my whole career going forward. And what I love about this is, so for instance, when this movie comes out, I'm going to be on a a junket tour and I'm going to be talking about my NFT project and talking about NFTs. Because to me, that audience is coming with me on every project I do going forward. And this is what I want to see other authors do. I think that there's this incredible way, you know, we used to have fan clubs, right? And they were like a group of people who are great, who you would go and meet with once in a while, but it was always a megaphone, right? You're on Twitter or you're doing a book club via Zoom or book club in person. This community is very different in that this community is coming with me and they're a part of it and they're an owner in something that I'm doing. And I want to see that extend throughout my career. Um, So yes, I'm trying to create a story going forward that all these people are going to be participants in going forward. And so via the NFT and via the next NFT and the next NFT, um, I'm hoping this just builds and
0: builds. So I want to ask you something else is how Web3 has kind of Change your life, not in the respects we've talked about, right. but in the respects of how accessible everybody is. Oh yeah, tell me about the kind of people who've reached out, the crazy conversations where you've just sat back and gone, "Wow, this." Normally, I'm trying to hound these people for a for a one telephone call, and before I know it. Right. this is going on. What's, what's been going on behind the scenes in Ben World?
1: In Ben World. Well, it's funny because I've always been interactive with my audience as much as I could. And it's always been through Twitter because that's kind of the easiest place. And a lot of the stories that I've written have been pitched to me. I mean, I've told this story before, but the social network came from a random 3am you know email from a Harvard senior. Um, and uh, pretty much most of my stories have been just someone reaching out to me and finding me. But now there's a community of people who kind of know me and I'm there all the time. And so it's been really cool. I've heard lots and lots of stories about people um, you know who've, who've worked their way in this community who've had either major success or have been screwed dramatically right you get a lot of those stories back and forth and, and they're really intriguing stories um, and people want to talk to me a lot about writing too so i get to talk to people who are starting out and trying to first do their first book and stuff like that um, but yeah it's pretty cool i well, mean I'm, all I'm
0: thinking about have the movie studios come to you and go what oh. the hell are you up to yeah you know oh, that gosh. kind those, of conversation in the broader context of the, holy shit, did these guys just come to me? Yes. You so, know, so I have definitely am I an imposter? You know, this kind of I want to hear about these yeah, stories. Yeah. So I've I been think at, all I've, of us.
1: I've been at events where, you know, studio heads. Uh, who are normally people who I try to sell things to, right, who don't talk to me, will come up to me and be like, let's talk about NFTs, explain to me how this is going to change my life or something like that. I'm getting lots of conversations like that. Um, People, producers, uh, who will will come seek me out and be like, um, what, what should my next movie be doing um, in the NFT space or, or managers and and agents are other people who talk to me a lot about their clients, about actors. Um, And let me put it this way. Right now, everyone is wary. Um, There's a wariness going on, which is totally understandable um, having to do with, um, is this going to be here for the future? Is this going to last? Number two, is, what are the pitfalls? What are the, what are the fears here about how this looks? Studios on the whole want to embrace the NFT, but they're nervous at this moment um, because they're always afraid of, everyone's always afraid of losing their job. That's just the bottom line all throughout Hollywood. Nobody wants to risk their neck. And, and, and the interesting thing about Hollywood is you can't lose your job by saying no. You can only lose your job by saying yes. And this is the reason, if you look at how movies are made, this is the main problem in Hollywood, is that nobody wants to take the sort of risk that needs to be taken to create something great, because that's the thing that you can lose your job over. But it's until someone takes that risk that you, you, know, you get these great projects. And so there are a few people in Hollywood who are willing to take these mega risks, and the rest of people wait for everyone else to do it, and then they'll jump into it. And so we're going to get there. I mean, there was a huge article on Guy Siri I don't know if you saw, you know, Hollywood Reporter and how he's moved into the NFT space. And 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 it's opening doors. People are looking at this and saying there's something big going on here. I think as we move out of this kind of winter period and into sort of a more stability over the next six months, uh, you're going to see some big Hollywood studios move in in a big way.
0: And what about the publishers? Have they? They're yeah. really old and decrepit oh in God. generally I mean, how they you, work. They
1: have some interaction with publishers too. I was still sending in... Print manuscripts, typed manuscripts like three years ago. Okay. They weren't even letting me email manuscripts and, and they would come back with like lines on them. And you're like, Oh my God, this is, this is, I, the only t- reason I have a fax machine is for publishing houses, you know, publishers are, are stuck. Um, they, they let Amazon overtake them when there was no reason why that should ever have happened. They owned all the books. I mean, they could have had their own Amazon, right? Um, and they failed at that. And they look at this world and they're happy that I'm doing an NFT project because it builds an audience. And you've got, when I do my next book, there's going to be 10,000 people on my Discord that are going to get a first look at what I'm doing. And they like that aspect of it. But to them right now, it's just publicity. They're like, okay, that's a piece of marketing and publicity. They don't yet see it or understand it as this is a potential avenue for publishing, um, that this is a way you can publish books, um, That not just building an audience that wants to buy your book, but the audience can actually buy your book this way. We could figure that out. That's going to be a step for publishers. Hopefully publishers will not be left in the dust in this in this realm. Um, but it's more likely going to be startups or platforms like mine rather than Random House. You know what I'm saying? It'll be more like somebody like me will build this platform and a bunch of authors will do it. And then Random House will partner with that uh, rather than Random House building it out itself because they just don't... You know look at who publishers hire and they hire liberal arts majors who come out of you know elite universities who then work for twenty seven thousand dollars a year in a horrible situation and go to lots of parties that's what publishing is that's not the people who are creating the nft world right the nft world people are you know, the people at home who understand smart contracts and are doing engineering, basically, those are two very different groups of people um, that don't intermingle, right? In the publishing world, the IT department is in the basement, right? And it doesn't have any power. But in the NFT world, the IT department is running the show. And until
0: those things come together, you're not going to see publishing move into this future. The- how are you thinking about using NFTs for characterization? We've seen it with Jenkins the Valet, for example. I love that, yeah. I love which the Jenkins a, project, yeah. Which is a really cool project. We've seen what Gary V is trying to do with V Friends, creating yeah. media from the ground up by creating characters. Bored Ape is essentially that in some respects as well. How are you thinking through that? Because it feels like an obvious extension yes. where you create a bunch of NFT characters that end up being parts of some bigger... Meta narrative,
1: uh, absolutely. So I've definitely been—we've been talking about our, our, our second drop, our Bitcoin Billies, which people have really taken to, um, and they have kind of cool personalities to them. I and mean, we're thinking of doing an animated show around it. So that's one of the sort of potential things we've talked and thought about. But I do like the idea um, because I, I write these stories, um, you know, that intersect with reality in a lot of different ways. That there could be a way um, with this next project. That when people get their NFTs, they can
0: segue in there. Well, I'm kind of story. thinking like Cludo. Like- so there's a bunch of characters, right? And maybe a bunch of circumstances, kind of like how Bowie and William Burroughs used to write the cut-ups idea. So you've got this. Right. And then what happens is out of this becomes all of these different stories that end up all woven around. These places, these things, these objects, and these characters, and they all end up as whole books or screenplays uh, I love or whatever it. in their own. I it's- mean, I
1: think that's great. I, I absolutely you know, think that there's a way to do this. I'd love to sort of talk more and figure it out, <laughs> the, the, the bones of it, because I'm always looking for, for a way to write. Um, bigger, sort of epic, you know. Like I look at Game of Thrones and there's hundreds of characters, you know, intersecting and going through. And, and now exactly. we've got a place where we can actually have all of these different characters and put them together in a world. And so I like this idea a lot. I like this idea. It's almost Is like, like
0: Cluedo, right? It's right. like Professor Plum did it in the library <laughs> right, right, right. with a rope. Right.
1: I mean it's, I love I think there's something very very cool to do with this. Um, I got to think more about how I would go on to that into the next step but there's definitely a way to go about that for sure.
0: Yeah because yeah, I was yeah you know, as I said I'm a big Bowie fan and seeing how he stole what William Burroughs was doing with the cut-ups and then putting it together, you know, Life on Mars is essentially newspaper c- cuttings. Right. And I I just think somewhere there just in my head there's like there's a genius idea. I don't know if you ever no, it probably doesn't apply. But, but just having all of these characters, who knows how they interact in yeah. what stories and what has what significance in what. It's, I love it.
1: I mean, I've always listen, I've always been a fan of the Make Your Own Adventures series back when it was happening. And I always, when I, I've written books, I've even tried to write books that go in many different directions um, and not successfully yet. But I do think here is a way where we could do something like that, where you have a book being written by the community in terms of the different characters and where they interact and who they interact with I think there's something really to that, and I just have to I have to get my head around of what format it would take you know when we're done with it um
0: but I like that I do like that a lot because it could be like a series of you know those old kind of um I'm trying to think of the books like Enid Blyton's famous five right so there's a series of books about the same characters and a bunch of different things right and you know, there could be a rotating cast of characters. Anyway, it's just an idea that I just think because NFTs enable a character to be built before a story. Right. And that's something really different because you have to write a story to develop a character right. in traditional storytelling. I love because it. This You're right.
1: I mean, we are launching the characters before the story. That's a neat way to look at it. And then, um, yeah, if there's a way to put the story together via the characters, then you could, you could really do something cool.
0: Ben, as ever, look, fantastic <laughs> to speak to you. I just, I love these conversations because it's just, I love what you're doing. It's just really exciting.
1: Oh, thank you. I mean, it's, it's been a blast and you've been, you know, one of the big thinkers that I follow all the time. And I think, uh, I think uh, you know, people are starting to see where this can go, but we're so at the beginning um, that it's just a blast to be a part of. And I hope that we're having these conversations for years to come as the platforms just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, and, you know, everyone in the world has an NFT and then we'll be in a good place.
0: Because people are still seeing what you're doing, and not realizing that there's a, the whole bigger thing is this platform and the disruption and the helping of talent to get access to capital and right. audience and community. You know, there's a much bigger thing at play here, as everything. There's always narratives and meta-narratives, and in everything. And I, I, mean, I love it. There's
1: a sea change going on, and it's hard to see because you know there are so many things happening at the same time. But I think the The threads that are actually going to come out of this are going to just go up and up and up and up. And hopefully, we'll be one of those. So it should be really neat to see what happens. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm sure I'll catch up with you in another six months' time on Real Vision (laughs) and keep everybody up to date of your crazy journey.
1: Absolutely. And uh, we'll be, you'll be coming, come to the movie premiere. It's going to be awesome. Without question. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you. I love it. Love talking to you. Thanks so much, Ben. Yeah.